I could have gone a lot of directions with this. I could have talked about uh, Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you. How many know that verse? Have it as a bumper sticker. And I could have told you how it was not meant for you uh, and how we take that verse and we use it wrongly so many times. Or I knew you when you were in the womb. Uh, Many of us know that verse and we, we think, boy, that's really great. But he was talking to Jeremiah. So many times we take scripture out of context, like uh, the prayer at Jabez. That's not meant for you either, but we have it on our golf bags and, and we have it on bumper stickers and, and it's really not meant for us. Now it doesn't mean we can't garner um, inspiration from those, but those really weren't meant for us. So I decided not to go there, as I just did. Um, but when I spoke about Zephaniah a few months ago, it's, it's basically with the prophets. Israel is sinful, God is mad, The king tries to save the people. The people reject it. The new king erects idols. Israel is sinful. God forgives. And then, Israel is sinful. God is mad. The king tries to save the people. The people reject it. The new king erects idols. Israel is sinful. God forgives. Lather, rinse, repeat. Right? And we go on and on and on with the major and the minor prophets. But as he said here, This is a biographical book written by Jeremiah and his scribe Baruch. So we go Jerry and Barry. uh, I made that up. Uh, Jerry and Barry here. And and when you read Jeremiah, it's not written in chronological order. There's 14 messages in Jeremiah uh, that Baruch put in a certain section of scripture. Um, Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet, and you wonder why. Well, Jeremiah did not want to be a prophet. As it says in in Jeremiah 1 verse 2, it talks about the Lord knew him when he was in the womb before he was born and he was going to make him a prophet. Jeremiah wanted nothing to do with that, okay? How many of us, the Lord wants to use us and we back away and back away and back away till he finally ensnares us and and says, this is what I'm going to do for you. Um, You look at Jonah. Jonah ran from the Lord. Uh, in the whale of a large fish, and God said, you're going to Nineveh, bud, and that's just, that's just what's going to happen. So that's really where Jeremiah was, and he continued to cry out for his countrymen, really um, in Judah and Israel. Remember, they were separate, and he was a contemporary of Zephaniah. But I wanted to talk today, since it's June 3rd, and it's our communion Sunday that we celebrate here at Foothills, I wanted to talk about the covenant specifically the new covenant that's Jesus Christ. Please open your Bibles to Jeremiah 31. There's no slides today. You have to use your Bible. Tim, you good with that? Okay, good. Good. Chapter 878 in my Bible. Um, There's one in front of you. That's a joke, guys. You're supposed to laugh. Come on. I drove a long way to get here. Come on. Came from Clovis to be here today. It was wonderful in Clovis. Um, Jeremiah prophesies about the new covenant. Now understand, this was written in 625 BC. What is the new covenant? Jesus Christ. 625 years before Christ. So about 655 years before Christ even talked about being the new covenant. But here it is, Jeremiah. It's one thing I love about scripture is the prophecy. Um, we talked about it in Isaiah. We talked about it in Zephaniah. Um, we're going to talk about it here. He says in chapter 31, verse 31, this is what the Lord declares through Jeremiah. The time is coming, 
declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with your forefathers, remember Moses, when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Verse 33, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me for the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive them their wickedness and remember their sin no more. So, understand the Old Covenant. It's the Old Testament. It's the law. Remember, Zephaniah was, was prophesied or, or basically spoke of King Josiah finding out the book of Deuteronomy, which was the law, found by a priest named Hilkiah. And he brought it to Josiah and he said, this is what the Jews are supposed to be doing. This is what we're all supposed to be doing. He's like, who knew? So, um, interestingly enough, this is where Jeremiah is at this time. They did not follow the old covenant. They broke their promise. And this is what the Lord says in the book of Jeremiah. So, when we come at a time of preparation to take communion, um, I just want to make sure that when the Lord said, I take this cup as a sign of my new covenant in, in the book of Corinthians, in the, in the book of Luke at the Last Supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. So we talk about the old covenant and we look at the sacrifices, right? They were big on sacrifice. Sacrifice, sacrifice, mess up, sacrifice, mess up, sacrifice, 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 keep messing up. It was basically payment or punishment for their sin. The interesting thing about the old covenant, it was never for the, the sacrifice was never for the ultimate forgiveness of sin. And we're going to learn that here in a little bit when we get into Hebrews. Who was the ultimate final sacrifice for sin? was Christ on the cross. And it wasn't just Christ on the cross, it was conquering sin, which was death, the resurrection, which we celebrated Easter. So the interesting thing is many of us look at the Old Testament, and it's not that it's not good for teaching and for learning, but it's not how we're supposed to live. There was a TV show on not too long ago, it just got canceled, thank you Jesus, called Living Biblically. And, and I thought, oh, this might be interesting, and Hollywood's going to screw it up, but it might be interesting. And, and there was this reporter who decided to live for one year according to Scripture. And he took the Old Testament. And you're, you're like, you missed it. You missed it all. And he goes, well, I have to do this, and I have to do that, and I can't eat that, and I'm supposed to do this. And I'm like, this, this go figure, this totally is not what the covenant is about, what the new covenant. We're not bound by the old covenant. In fact, no one is bound by the old covenant. You'll see that in a minute. Um, when, he, when Jeremiah says the days are coming, did they think they were going to have to wait 650 years? But the Lord is patient, right? The Lord is patient. Never did he say, it's the ultimate forgiveness, this sacrifice of your sin. It was basically punishment and payment 
for what you had just done. Boy, how frustrating is that? Um, The old covenant didn't provide a single sacrifice which could cause the forgiveness of sin. The old covenant never provided inward control of their emotions or their deeds. We hear about David. Oh, Lord, in the Psalms, you, I love your statutes. I love your laws. And then what did David do? He murdered. He committed adultery. And you're like, who? How can one guy be this guy and then be that guy? Schizophrenia, right? Multiple personalities. But when the Holy Spirit enters you, what happens? You don't think about living by the law. You just live as Christ lived. That's our goal, right? It doesn't mean we don't sin. But what it means is, what is the first commandment? The greatest commandment, he said. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Once we get that, what else matters? Right? What else matters? And we could just, we could talk about love all day. But now I want you to move to Hebrews chapter 8. That's in the New Testament. On the right side of your Bible. (coughs) Hebrews chapter 8. This is really interesting. This is 650 plus years later. Hebrews chapter 8. You all there? For the men, I'll say it again. Hebrews chapter 8. So you don't have to ask your wife. Verse 6. But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. It is founded on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, he reads Jeremiah, or he speaks Jeremiah 31, 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord. I will make a new covenant. And then we go down to verse 10. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord. And he goes finally down to verse 12, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sin no more. No more lather, rinse, repeat. The ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate payment. By calling this covenant in verse 13, new, understand this, he had made the first covenant obsolete. We're not bound by the old covenant. Amen? Does everybody understand that? It's really important. We're not bound by the old covenant. We're the new covenant in Jesus Christ. As believers in the Lord, we're new covenants in Christ. And then we go to verse, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 9, verse 15. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. For those who are called may receive the promise of, of eternal inheritance. See, the old covenant didn't give them eternal inheritance. They still had to keep sacrificing, sacrificing, sacrificing. The new covenant, we get eternal inheritance, as it says in Hebrews 9.15. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Wow. How easy is that? It's simple, but it's not easy. Amen? Then it says here in verse 26 of chapter 9, 
Christ would have to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but now he has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as a man is destined to die once and after that face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Wow, that's a promise. That's a promise. That's not a verse we can put on a bumper sticker. That's a promise. Die once and for all. Through him, we conquer eternal death and punishment. And then in chapter 10, look at verse 13. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice, he himself, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testified about this. He says to us, this covenant I will make with them after that time. I will put my law on their hearts. I will write it on their minds. And in verse 18, and where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin needed. So understand, this is really important. I will put my law in their hearts and I put it in their mind. Who lives in us? What does Galatians 2.20 say? I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. They didn't have that in the old covenant. I will put it in their hearts. I will put it in their minds. Guess what, guys? We have all of this, everything we need in the person of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Trinity, and the Lord. Is that exciting or what? Christianity is not really made to be work, 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 work. We've heard progress, not perfection. We're never gonna make it, but we are saved through Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice. It's so important that we understand that. Um, we were with Lori's cousins this, this weekend up in up in Fresno and, and uh, talking to my cousin about, about the Lord. And he's like, ah, my kids are Catholic. I'm not really into that, you know. And, and I said, but Rick, what, what happens at the end? He said, who knows? I said, but we do know. And through Christ, we, it, it's, it's payment. We're done. He just can't get his head around that because it's not in his heart and it's not in his mind. Let me ask you guys a question. When you got saved, did everything kind of change? Mentally, I always say the, the Bible went from black and white to color and became real for me. It was a whole different book because I was being guided by the Holy Spirit. It was written in my mind and on my heart because the Holy Spirit enters you. Amen? Is that exciting or what? Everybody says yes. We have internal control. Guard your heart, as it says in Proverbs, for everything flows from it. We need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our minds with what we put into it. We really do. Um, the Lord found no fault with them at the end. He says the days are coming with a new covenant. I'm gonna give you forgiveness on a full, final, and complete basis. The day has come, says the Lord. 
No one is superior. The old covenant is gone. It's really important we understand that. It is obsolete. If you believe anything in Scripture, believe that the old covenant is gone. Now, the other thing is, the old covenant was really made for the Jewish nation. He's talking to the Jews in this case. Now, now what, it, what does that mean with, with the new covenant being for the Jews? Does that mean as Christians, as non-Jews, we're not part of that? No. He was talking about the Jewish line. And where did Jesus come from? The line of David. David was a Jew. We are grafted into the vine as Gentiles, correct? So that also, that covenant is for us also. Okay? He wasn't speaking specifically to us. He was speaking to the Jews. But here's the other thing. Many people will debate this. Will the Jews have another opportunity to be saved in the end times? It says right here, yes. This is who he's talking to. Your sins will be forgiven. They will, they will be remembered no more. That's a great promise for us. How many believe that? Okay? Our sins are not forgiven. I mean, are forgiven, not remembered. Heresy! Heresy! Pete said I would do that. Um, past, present, and future. It says right here in Scripture, your sins will be remembered no more. In verse 12 of Hebrews 8 again, he says, I forgive their wickedness. A new heart. That's what God gives. And this is what happened when Jesus took the cup at the Last Supper and said, this is the symbol of the new covenant. Do you think the apostles knew what he was talking about? I don't think they understood it fully because they were Jews. They were like, well, we kind of know who you were and who you are. And what did he ask Peter? Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ until I deny you. But Peter got another shot in John 21, didn't he? Jesus is making bacon on the beach like a good Jew. And Peter sees him and is like, dude, I get another shot. And what does Jesus do? Scold him. Peter, how could you? He just loved him. He just hugged him and said, I got you. I got you. That's what he wants to do with us if we let him. We just come to his feet. Jesus, take me. And he says, I got you. I love you. Like a father loves a child, I got you. So again, when Jesus lifted the cup, he said, this is the time, gentlemen. This is the moment. I am the event that brings the new covenant. He was saying something for which they longed and longed, for that new inner heart, that new spirit, energized by the Holy Spirit, for the washing out of the old, so that profound joy and great desire was the law of God. Not to be forgotten totally, but to be fulfilled. They weren't bound by the old law. They weren't bound by the sacrifices. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, the propitiation. Big word, huh? You probably know that in seminary, don't you? Big word, right? Oh, you're going to a different school. Online? Online. Okay, good. That's what the new covenant means to us. That's what it provides us. We've been washed out of the old. That's what baptism is, is for. I believe you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Thief on the cross wasn't baptized. However, 
What is baptism? It's regeneration. It's an outer sign of an inner feeling. When I was baptized in the Pacific Ocean in 1990, it was one of the greatest days of my life. They held me down until the bubbles stopped, called the paramedics. <laughs> Lazarus, come out. No. Um, and one of the great joys of my life is that I baptized all three of my sons. And, and they've accepted the Lord and they be re, they've been regenerated into the person of Jesus Christ. We have been implanted with a new energized spirit to live a life that is linked to God inseparably. Never to return to our idols and never to return to our filth. Amen? And when we do sin, he goes on cleansing our sins and iniquity because he remembers them no more. That's the new covenant. Thank you, Jesus. Before we take communion, I want you to pray with me. I want the Aaron or the band to come up. The band to come up. The band. Anybody? Oh, there he is. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for the words of Jeremiah. Thank you for putting on his heart, God, that you would bring the new covenant. Thank you for your patience for the people of Israel. Thank you for your patience with us. Lord, we are, we are so in debt to you and you ask nothing of us but just come and surrender. You are the new covenant, which we will celebrate in a second. We are so grateful of your death on the cross. How difficult that must have been, but Lord, you knew you had to do it. You knew you had to give yourself as the final sacrifice because Lord, we weren't strong enough. So you just gave yourself, but you conquered death and through you we can conquer eternal death and have eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.